0: Hi, and welcome to the West Say Audio Podcast. Each message is designed to help you grow and inspire you to take action. Please take a moment to hit the subscribe button, and don't be shy to drop us a message if you have a question. Thanks for listening, and God bless.
1: Good evening. Thanks for tuning in to our Bible study, the book of Matthew. I'm Cliff Sabro here with Nick. Um, Nicholas Westberg, I almost forgot your name all of a sudden. (laughs) Nick Westberg, see he's leaving the Tulare next week, and I I already forgot his name. And then Curtis Pittman, who's still sticking around forever. Uh, But Nick is going to continue to record with us here for the next several weeks. at least. the coming of the Son of Man. There we go. (laughs) Well, speaking of the coming of the Son of Man, Curtis, we are in a section of the book of Matthew that is quite engaging and troublesome in the sense that it's kind of
2: hard to interpret a little bit. It is, and that's what we were even talking about before we started recording tonight, um, on trying to better understand this, and there, there's different ways. Um, but but you had it succinctly in what we looked at um, in verses 12, 13, and 14. Well, let's pick up. We're in Matthew 24, if you just tuned in. So, where I,
1: what, what did I say? I forgot already what I said. It well, <laughs>
2: it's the message that, that Jesus reiterates to his apostles yeah. here, to his disciples. But that the one who endures to the end will be saved. And that the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. And so we need to be enduring until the end. So as we go
1: through the rest of Matthew 24 tonight, and there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be some confusion. There's going to be some speculation. The ultimate why of why this passage was given was endure. Whether you're enduring through the destruction of siege of Jerusalem, and whether you endure through the final return of Jesus, God will preserve the righteous and punish the wicked, whether it's here on this earth or in eternity. And that seems to be a universal theme of judgment throughout the Bible, preservation of the righteous, punishment of the wicked. Um, So with that in mind, maybe we'll pick up. So if you are following with us for the first time, we've been going through the book of Matthew verse by verse. Understand that it is written to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the promised Messiah. It's an encouragement for believers to bear fruit. And now we're toward the end of Jesus' life. Before he goes to the cross, there seems to be a message of endurance. Well, at
2: the end of chapter 23, Jesus made kind of a big prophecy. What was it? You guys remember? Uh, that no stone would be left upon another. He's sitting at the temple yeah. or, or discussing uh, the temple and says that no stone will be left uh, on top of the other. So
1: pointing out the temple, which is a magnificent
2: structure back then, he says it's going to be destroyed and woe to you Jerusalem and all of that. So that's a huge prophecy. Yeah, which on, on a side note, Wayne Llewellyn sent an awesome YouTube video uh, that we'll have in the links below uh, that, that gives a, a, an awesome overview of the destruction of Jerusalem and how it played out. Um, and it has even like cool computer animated graphics. That I got that the link and it. I hadn't clicked on it yet. Um, but, it is, but We'll have that in the link below if you want to educate yourself
1: on it. And that. it's a historically significant event, whether you're a Bible believer or not. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: and, and two, these are after all these bats that Jesus has had with these Pharisees. And the Pharisees don't think he's the Messiah, but the people are following him. And the disciples are questioning are are now on the verge of trying to understand what it is that Jesus is actually going to do. And so after these battles with the the Pharisees and their arguments and their questions about Jesus, Jesus has to set the tone for the rest of for for the rest of them and say, look, they are not who they say they are. Yeah. Right? They who they say I am, they they don't know what they're talking about, right? But listen to me and listen to what I say. And these things will
1: be... Yeah, and with those false teachers like them, he says also in the future there's going to be more. Yeah. Just like these religious leaders like the Pharisees tried to lead you astray, there's going to be wars and there's going to be tribulation all this, and during that time there's going to be a lot of people that claim to be Jesus. Don't listen to them.
0: Right, and we talked about that. If you're always chasing the next great thing, right? If somebody comes and says, well, I'm the Christ, I'm going to to lead you into about, well, the Christ has already come, so there's no real... Don't always look Look for a new Messiah. Don't look for a new Messiah, right? I am the Messiah, and then he tells them these things to show them. Look, I am. This, this again, I think is proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Look, I am the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to prophesy this. No Jew in their right mind is going to prophesy about the, the destruction. And when of you see it happen, you're going to go, right. "Wow, he right. predicted this." It's the epicenter yeah. of Jewish life. No yeah. Jew is going to predict that. But here comes Jesus, and he turns the table, turns it on his head, and he says, "Yeah, very good Look, point. It's going to." But, it's going to be done. Away and away.
2: it's something that needs to be done away. Right. with that, the, Absolutely. the the elimination of the right. entire Jewish system of yeah, no worship. more genealogy, no yeah. more all of that. No no away. more temple. I mean, God is with you. I mean, he, he tells the Samaritan woman in um, John that um, an hour is coming, an hour and is coming in Jerusalem yeah, or on this mountain when yeah. um, uh, and those who worship in spirit and in truth. And, and that's what we need to be focused on is making sure that we're worshiping in spirit and in truth and not looking for um, that Jerusalem. Yeah, a
1: new, yeah. a yeah. Jerusalem yeah. or a new Messiah or anything else. Right. Well, let's, let's go through here then. So you mentioned Curtis, verse 13 of chapter 24, the kind of a thesis statement, the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Then we go into verse 15 and he says, remember when Daniel talked about the abomination of desolation? You're going to have, this is going to happen soon, which we believe is the destruction of Jerusalem, the final, mm-hmm. the siege of it and its destruction, which included the destruction of the temple. He says, when this happens, when you start seeing the the signs of it happening, whether it be armies and all that, get your goods and get out of town. Right. For, save yourself, okay? And he says, during that time, there's going to be a lot of people that claim they're Jesus coming again. It's not Jesus. It's just some other person. And he goes, in fact, I, I believe verse 27 is he's saying, look, when I do come, you're not going to miss it. Yeah. It's going to be like lightning flashing in the sky. It's going to be quick and sudden. There's not going to be, hey, Jesus is he's out back. This, come on, see him.
0: It's not going to be this long, drawn out Yeah. It's no, going
1: it's going to be instantaneous and big. So that's kind of where we left off in verse 28. We finished that section last week. Now, verse 29, we come into a, a very symbolic um section. It uses terminology that, if you're a Bible student, it seems apocalyptic. Now, the idea of apocalypse, all well, that's like what is yeah. hidden, right? I mean, it's does right. usually we think apocalyptic it means end of the age and time. Usually it does, but it really is a style of writing that isn't just in the Bible. It's a style of writing um, from this era. It was very symbolic and had a lot of dark imagery to it. thoughts on It's like, it's on like
0: that? descriptive and dramatic writing, yeah. right? That illustrates a point that we could, that would be hard, that would be hard for us to talk about had we not seen it. Yeah. Uh, and so I think not that it's not that anything is false, but it's a way to describe something that we, so, so that we could envision it. Yeah. You know, it's like when you read the book, of it's very image, you know, image, uh, well, they they're, they wouldn't have right? thought it to be literal, no, right? They, so, they knew that. Yeah, it was a way to describe.
1: So, like when it mentions in Revelation, there was someone with seven heads and seven horns, and mm-hmm. all this. Like that means something else, not that watch out for the seven headed angel kind right. of thing, you know? And what they I would mean? have
0: picked up on you know being a Jew if you're reading that. You they would have picked up on different things than we pick up, where we kind of have this mindset as Westerners, where everything is literal. Yeah, and we read with uh, I can't remember how. Uh, Dan Owen said it one time. He said, we we read the Bible with a Western filter instead of an Eastern filter. Yeah, we do. And we look at everything as literal. And so that's why we have trouble interpreting things like this because we look at it and say, oh, well, all of that is, you know, the Bible is real, Scripture is real, everything is real. As where Easterners would have picked it up in a different way. Imagery, poems, all of that.
2: And that's what makes this section, one of the things that makes this section hard is because there is a lot of, a bouncing yeah, around sure. and yeah. that's what i like your point on that they would recognize this because the language that we're going to see is is a callback to like what isaiah talks about sure. with the destruction of babylon or right. what ezekiel mentions with egypt and there's these times when a, a transition of kingdoms or transition of reign uh we, we see the similar type of language and so we sure. see with the destruction of jerusalem again it's a transition into the full reign of Christ, and we might not, as Nick and you pointed out, we might not fully understand
1: it being in our modern sense. Exactly. But that's okay too, and I want our re- our listeners to kind of understand that too. I'll tell you honestly, going through this section, I have a few different, uh, I guess, conflicting viewpoints in my mind of what how I might interpret a passage oh, and, here,
2: and, and the passage could be argued multiple, yeah, different multiple ways. ways.
1: But I don't argue against the overarching theme of endurance and trusting in Jesus and that idea. So keep that in mind as we go through here. We don't want to get bogged down and trying to interpret various symbols and it has to mean this or it doesn't have to mean this. Let's just look at what the overall theme of it. So it says, verse 29, But immediately after the tribulation, now we conclude that the tribulation was kind of the siege of Jerusalem. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. That's symbolic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stars don't literally fall and that, but it's, it's a sign of, of judgment usually. Right. Darkness and, and, and judgment upon a nation oftentimes with this kind of terminology.
0: And, and to this, uh, it could be related language to, again, the destruction of Jerusalem. You remember when we had all that smoke in the valley and yeah. the way that the sun looked. Yeah. When was, we had that darkened. stroke it was dark. It was yeah. red. The moon didn't give its light, right? So it could be another allusion to that type of, you know, that type of understanding, you know, which was tie in and with
1: the siege and destruction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I want us also. We talked it's about this time. beforehand. The phrase here, "those days," it seems to be a comparison of this. Yeah. Well, and that's
2: yeah. what it, it's neat. If you go through, um, starting in verse cha- or chapter twenty-four, excuse me, um, there's a direct contrast with with these or these things mm-hmm. or those days. Uh, then we're going to see an abrupt transition in verse thirty-six when it's talking about these days versus on that. Day. So there's a good right. assumption that that these days and those days are all referring to the same event. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And what? What? And and we'll see it again starting in verse um, thirty-six. But the uh, the transition is also one from when you are aware of these things, these signs, you're going to have an opportunity to react. Yeah. But on that day. Yeah. You're not going to have an opportunity to react. It's the preparation that has been put in place prior to. Well, that. Let's, let's skip ahead to that so that our audience knows too what
1: Curtis is referring to is that those days would most likely be the siege and destruction of Jerusalem. Yeah. And you had, he gave them warning and prepared. But that day when Jesus comes back again, we don't have a sign. It's basically be prepared all the time. Yeah, right. But at the same time, this passage would apply in the sense that be prepared, yes. whether oh, it's the destruction of Jerusalem or not, um, be prepared and follow the true Christ. So let's keep going. He says, And then the sign of the Son of Man. Now, the sign of the Son of Man uh, will appear in the sky. And then the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now, this is this is a difficult section to... Hang our hat on here. Is he referring to destruction of Jerusalem here? Is he jumping ahead and talking about his second coming? Because, you know, a gut reaction would be, Son of man coming in the cloud sounds like second coming. Well, what do you guys
2: think here about 30 and 31? I think that it hinges on then, or the New American was and then. Right? And then. And starting mm-hmm. in verse 30. Um, and there's I think there's a big jump in time here. Yeah. Uh, that verses 29 is essentially you're going to see these signs of the structure of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. But, but that, that phrase, the Son of Man coming, the coming of the Son of Man, we see it in verse 27. We see it here in verse 30. Uh, we're also going to see it in verses um, 37 and 39. Um, and, and I think that that is the, the second coming. Okay, uh, the, When Christ comes again mm-hmm. uh, and destroys all things. And, sure. and I'm going to piggyback off of that on some other language that we also see here, in verse 31 specifically when it talks about the Son of Man coming and sending His angels out to gather, um, that is very similar language to what we see in the, the chapter 13, the parable of the weeds and the wheat. And the conclusion of that was that those who are sorted out uh, will go to a place where there's eternal destruction, and in that place there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, which is the same thing we see in verse 51. Uh, and so on that second coming of Christ is when the sorting is going to happen and when it will tie into that uh, place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. But he's also getting
0: at I think too, uh, just to piggyback off your points. I think he's also getting at showing them that, look, the destruction of Jerusalem is not the end of time. It is the end of the Jewish age, right? So don't get hung up on this, you know, oh, when the the temple's gone, well, then that's the end of, you know, the end of time. And all of a sudden he's, he's saying, look the end of the Jewish age will come and then the son of man will come and gather his elect so to summarize that that's just what I've gathered from from the text
1: well I want to make sure then so you guys are saying that 29 is destruction of Jerusalem but then the end then is a could be a very long time frame 2,000 3,000 years whatever it is to when Jesus comes again I'll take the other side for a moment just (laughs) to make it interesting I believe, and I don't know if I believe this, but I could argue this Mm -hmm. from this section here, that being that this is apocalyptic imagery, phraseology like son of man coming in the clouds in the sky is also a phrase received for judgment. It doesn't have to be second coming. It could be scenes of judgment. And his angels and the great trumpet gathering together his elect from the four winds of the sky to the other. It doesn't have to literally mean they're in the sky. It could mean that he's gathering together you know, um, out of the destruction that's going on, the gathering could be symbolic of protection. In the same way that, you know, um, he said, oh, Jerusalem, I want to gather you like a hand and all that kind of stuff, could be him gathering in protection. So sure. the gathering could be figurative, and the coming in the sky could be figurative, and it could all just be imagery of God's going to punish the wicked in Jerusalem and, and preserve the righteous. No,
2: yeah. I don't know if
1: I believe that, but I think I could argue <laughs> it from this section. No, and you're absolutely right, which, yeah.
2: which does tie into what we see in chapter... Twenty three and what that the the Pharisees will be held accountable um, for the action that they're taking um, and, and it can go either way um, and, and I could argue either direction yeah. as well but and that's what the the neat thing is is that we need to be focused on enduring to the end and mm-hmm. what we're going to see as we transition here into uh, starting verse thirty six and through chapter twenty five uh, is this contrasting uh, of different levels of preparation mm-hmm. and that we need to be prepared. What he's going to get to in verse 32 is being aware of the signs, aware of what's happening. Uh, And so, whether we are aware of what happened at the destruction of Jerusalem, or whether we are aware of what the pending second coming is, we need to be enduring. Need to be enduring. Need to be ready. So then he goes into a parable. Okay, maybe it's easier.
1: It's a parable. It's not. He goes, Now learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near right at the door. Okay, so Jesus is saying what? When a good farmer can look at the fig tree and you know when the fruit's about to come. Right? That's what you do. See the signs. See the writing on the wall. Right? Truly I say to you. Now this might be a good verse here to help us kind of hinge this discussion. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not Pass away.
2: And then I think that this fig tree is uh, again talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and it's tied with that generation, generation 35, 40 years. Uh, and so at that time, the destruction of Jerusalem would happen within 40 years of Jesus saying this. During these that, words. their lifetime, they are uh, going to witness it. And go back to that comment um, that we made earlier on if you follow the these and those, that these things, Jesus is reorienting here. So he, he bounces around. Admi- It appears appears, that he bounces around, but here this lesson of the fig tree, uh, these signs that we need to be paying attention to, um, does tie back to the destruction of Jerusalem. Yes, and I think it
1: does, absolutely. I think that what he's saying is you should be able to see the signs, like when you see armies coming in and surrounding Jerusalem, that's a pretty good sign. You know, that kind of thing. And get out of dodge kind of idea. And it's going to happen during your generation. Now, this is really neat because you have people during that time who were going to witness a very huge historically significant event that was going to destroy the entire Jewish system. And he prepared them for it. God loves his people enough that even then he didn't want them to be part of that particular destruction that was going to take place. And even when you look at even Revelation later, I don't want to skip ahead, but it's apocalyptic too. It's a lot of warning of Rome's going to fall. Be careful, Christians. Yeah, that kind of thing but too. But that,
2: that's the story of the entire to Bible. Edom's gonna
1: back. fall. Cain yeah. is gonna fall. All the fall. way back to
2: Adam. Yeah. What, what did God warn
1: Adam fall. about? Right? God doesn't fall. Yeah, he yeah, doesn't. And God, God helps preserve fall. his people. Yeah. But,
0: but all God's these kingdoms. That's a good point. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're that. fine. But you're fine. All these kingdoms will fail. All these kings, all these men, they will fall. Don't put your trust in them. Put your trust in God because he does not fall.
1: Absolutely. So that these things then. If you're trusting in God, you're going to trust these signs. You're going to follow him. Verse 34, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things will take place. Now, that's the last time we have the these things type Mm -hmm. terminology. So I'm going to go with the assumption, and I think it's an accurate one based on what I'm seeing in text here, that for the most part, these and those days have to do with the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the Jewish system and all of that. It was localized. It was at that time, AD 70. And it was something that they were going to witness, and they needed to be prepared for. But then, verse thirty-five, he says, "Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away." I think everything around you you're going to see can end, but my words will always reign true. Kind of a generic statement there. But then, verse thirty-six, we get a turn. But of that
0: day, contrast.
1: Yeah, a contrast, it's a, a sharp yeah, transition, a sharp and on contrast, purpose.
0: Right? Anytime you see, a, you know, the word, word but, "but" and point, that day. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that day. I mean, for that matter, I mean it's. A, He's contrasting something, right? He says, my, "Heaven and earth, you know, all these, all these physical, perishable things will, you know, th- they'll pass away. But my words are eternal. My words will not pass away. My promises will not go away. What I say to you is not going to go away." But right, the contrast on that day. Yeah, a future oh. promise. Oh, and, right.
2: and it's it's also that when you see these signs, mm-hmm. you know it's happening. Yeah, but on yeah. that day. We don't know when it's going to, yeah. Right. And that's what right. differentiates
1: the second coming of Jesus from the destruction of yes. Jerusalem. Because you could look at this passage here, and if you were to just take a quick glance at it, you might think, "Oh, these are all signs of second coming," which that would be a good gut reaction to this. I mean, yeah. if you're new to the Bible, absolutely. Yeah. But when you start to think of the whole of Scripture, and again, you need to interpret symbolic literature through more literal ones. We have all these other passages that talk about how Jesus' second coming is going to be, and there is no signs for it. Well, this makes sense now. Verse thirty-six. Well, not ago. even
0: the not even the apostles knew. No, when when Jesus was coming, you know, not even Jesus did even say. He, Look what he, he says. Knew. When, yeah. yeah, I mean, he's going to say that right now. But. but of that
1: day and hour, no one knows. See, they would know when Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. There was yeah. symbols and signs and um, writing on the wall and all that. But of that day when Jesus comes back. No one knows. Now or no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. Which, from a, a huge understanding of God's standpoint, that's pretty big, if you yeah. think about it. Because Jesus is seen to be all-knowing in all things, but this one thing, he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Which
2: t- ties in, what does Paul tell us in Philippians, Jesus emptied himself yeah, right. of right. all godliness. I mean, of all his deity, right? right. Uh, and, and so, this is... It's like something that he lost.
1: Yeah. Well, we're coming on. This is being broadcasted after Christmas, right? We're thinking about birth of Jesus coming to earth. You have an almost an eternal subjugation in some sense to the will of the Father. Yeah. Where the Father knows this, but not even he knows. Right. Now, how God can choose one part not knowing, I don't know how all that works, yeah. but here that shows how unknown this is. So if anybody thinks they're the Christ and they know when it happened, don't believe them. Yeah. If anybody says I know when Jesus is going to come back, not even Jesus knows when it's going to happen. So, how
0: many people, just to put this on a practical level, how many people over the last two thousand years have predicted the end of the world? Thousands. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah. And, and and here's Jesus saying, "Look, no one knows that but the Father." Yeah. No one. You know, you have that big old thing. You know. Y was Y two K. Yeah, and you had you know they, they, everybody thought the world was going to end in two thousand years. I think I was eight when when that happened. But nobody has ever successfully predicted. Just like that in two thousand twelve, they thought the Mayan calendar, you know, was the, so is the end. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the end is near. You know, the end of the world. But everybody's predicting that, whether they're religious or not. You know, and, no and no here one knows. is Jesus saying, nobody knows.
2: Yeah. yeah, and, and it, it's not—he's not only saying that, mm-hmm. but he's going to he reiterate it. that. Part. Right, and going exactly. back to, to Noah, and I just think it's so cool. And I, I want to caution us also not to be distracted because we we have made the comment about these things in these days. Yeah, and then in verse thirty-six that contrasts to that Noah. day. Yeah, uh, and then in the point that Jesus is making the the, the illustration that Jesus uses—he's going to use the. Uh, um, um, Plural, days again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we need to read it carefully to understand that he's not going back and talking about the destruction of no. Jerusalem. It's a separate event. Going back to something else that happened. Well, let's read. He says, for the
1: coming of the Son of Man, which we're concluding that that's the second coming in the future, following destruction of Jerusalem, there's going to be a time span which is unknown to when he comes back. Which we are in. Yeah, which we are in now. When the For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Well, what was the days of Noah like? Well... In those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving a marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and it took them all away. So will the coming of the son of man be. So it's going to be like you're going to be living your life and all of a sudden water's there, Boom. right? Boom. And just like that, we're going to be living our lives. And one day trumpet sounds, heavens open up, Jesus arrives and that's it. So what do we have to do? Be prepared. Be prepared. be prepared. be prepared. Right? right. Lion King but, reference again. Right? And, <laughs> but. and that's what
2: uh, I I have anxiety over the thought of of death. It's more. I think my anxiety is more over the lack of an ability to conceptualize what eternity is going mm-hmm. to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is no denying that we will die, yeah. uh, and if we don't die, Jesus will come again. Yeah. And so we need to be living our lives like we're on a ship that's sinking. Mm-hmm. Because it is sinking. Some are sinking a lot faster than others, but we have an end. Uh, and unlike the, the people in Noah's time, we are told that the end is coming. Yeah. We need to be prepared. We don't know when it's going to happen. But we know it will. But it is going yeah. to happen.
0: And it's important too. You know, it's not like it's. It, I mean, we're not sitting here waiting for the end of the age to come, or waiting for the end of the world to come. But we know that. I mean, we're, one thing is certain: everybody dies. And like you said, you're not the only one that struggles with the anxiety of death. I think about it all the time. I'm sure there's lots of people that just like that, that constantly think about, you know, someday this is going to happen and I can't control when it happens, you know, and that is, that is a a meter for, I need to trust in God more, you know, at least for me, that's my meter is like, Oh, well, I've got my mind so consumed about that I've got That's my meter, you know. Say okay, well. But when you're
2: when you're prepared, though, you're not as afraid. It's hard,
0: even even when even when you're
2: prepared. I'm sure Noah. I'm sure there's times when Noah, when 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 God shut that door of the ark, still scared. Oh, I'm sure he was still scared. But he was raised. He was raised above the destruction of the world, Mm -hmm. which is similar to what Paul talks about in Thessalonians that we will be raised above the destruction Mm -hmm. of the world. God will preserve the righteous and punish the wicked. Be prepared. Mm -hmm. So then he gives an illustration,
1: verse 40, showing how life is going to be going on when it happens. It's going to be so sudden. There will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. There
2: is no sign. It's going to be instantaneous when Jesus comes. Yeah, which is a contrast to what we saw earlier in the chapter, right? Yeah, we have uh, time to get out of town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, so when you see these signs, if you're on the housetop, verse 17, um, uh let the one who is on the house housetop not go down to take what's in the house. Let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. So on those days, when you see these signs, on those days, you're going to be able to react and you're get out of react. Mm-hmm. But when Jesus comes again, there is no time to react. Your fate is sealed when the trumpet sounds. That's Ooh. it. And then that's the question. Are you prepared? And it's the question that Jesus is going to hit and hit and hit all the way through chapter 25. Well, that's what he says in verse 42 then. Therefore, concluding statement, right?
1: Therefore, be on the alert. And that sounds very much like something Paul would say too about all of this. Yeah. But therefore, be on the alert. For you do not know which day your Lord is coming. Yeah. We do not know when Jesus is going to come back. They could predict some of the signs of the coming of, of judgment, symbolic coming of the Lord upon Jerusalem. But when it comes to his final coming, no one knows. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known what time the, of the night the thief was coming... He would have been on the alert and would have not allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, you must be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Reminds me of 1 Thessalonians 5. It's Even happening. The night, yeah, right. You don't know. If you could have known, you would have prepared differently. But you don't know. So live your whole life in preparation. Yeah. No. One if knows. Nick knew that his forerunner was going to get stolen about a month ago in front of his house, outside. he would have been sitting outside. <laughs> and, you know, Ready to, I don't know, do whatever he was going to do. No, no <laughs> sure not. it's too cold. but
2: jesus reiterates this point therefore because of all this stay awake you don't know when it's going to happen oh and by the way because you don't know when it's going to happen verse 44 so we have another therefore you must also be ready and then he reiterates this is going to happen at an hour you do not expect
1: all i know is i see a really cool three-point sermon here all of a sudden be on the alert be sure be ready that's my gift to you guys. Take that to Tulare with you. You can preach that. It. Or preach. if you read out of the ESV, it's stay awake. No, no. I prefer the alliteration of the New American Standard Version. It makes for easier sermons. <laughs> there you go. And sometimes it's choppy reading. Well oh, just because you don't read, yeah. Don't read it. Yeah. Like um, so let's but, keep going. Yes.
2: that yeah. point that Jesus is making, right. and, and he's making it and he's repeating it, and I'm going to repeat myself again because Jesus repeats himself, mm-hmm. is that you don't know what's going to happen. So be prepared. Oh, and by the way, you don't know when it's going to happen. So be be prepared. prepared. Oh, and guess what? You don't know when it's going to be when it's going to happen. So be prepared, just like the wise servant. And just in case you didn't get, yeah, I'm going to illustrate it now. Just in case you didn't,
1: let me paint a picture for you of how ready you need to be. Is what Jesus does. I love how important. How important important it is. Very true. And notice how much illustrations about being ready are there about his second coming versus maybe of even the destruction of Jerusalem too. What's more significant?
2: And so, what do we need to be paying attention to? Yeah. That he might come against I think, I think
0: uh, too, he will know, come against yeah. something I'll day. apply this on an individual basis, too, that it's not, it's not, uh, it's more of, you know, you individually have to be ready for this event. No one can prepare you for it except you. Yeah. Right? Very good. And uh, if we're re- constantly relying on other people to prepare us for something we don't know about, then we're not really ready for that to begin with. Right? Because I would illustrate it like this. You know, when I was in school, I heard a lot about ministry. I heard a lot about how ministry worked. I heard a lot of stories. But it wasn't until I got into ministry and was doing it myself that I understood what was being said. And I think that that's what we're seeing here too: is that we we we, we, we don't understand unless we do it for ourselves. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You
1: have to have your own why. Yeah, yeah, you have
0: to have your own why. Exactly.
1: Who then? He then he gives the illustration. Verse forty five. Who then is faithful? Insensible slave whom his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. So the illustration is look, here's a man who had servants. The servant who does what he's supposed to do when the master is not around is blessed, is the idea. He says, on the other hand, though, truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, My master is not coming for a long time, and begins to beat his fellow slaves, eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour when he does not know, and will cut him into pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites, and the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The one who is not ready for the master to show up at any moment, the one who only behaves a good way when the master is there, that guy, when the master comes, he's going to be punished.
0: How many you ever... Uh... Like expecting something to happen, right? And you're you're thinking that you know, yeah, whatever this is gonna it's gonna take place at this time, and then you're waiting, it's like, oh, maybe it's just a little bit longer. And you're waiting and you're waiting, and finally, like ah, maybe it's not gonna happen. I think that's how he's illustrating it here. Yeah. It's kind of like you kind of like you're anticipating this, you know, this this coming, this thing to happen, and then it doesn't happen, and less you become less and less prepared for it to happen. The more that you, the more that time goes on you're less and less prepared yeah you, you get into a group and i think that we need to be careful of that too that we're not just saying oh you know we're, we're waiting for jesus to come back or you know and and then he doesn't come back it's like well when peter spoke to the christians in galatia he said in the last days there will be mockers who say, when is the yeah. lord going to return when is he, when is he coming back he said he was going to but he, but he hasn't yet
1: and by our lifestyle, we live that way. Now. Right. We live like, well, oh, he's not actually coming yet, or when I get a sign, then I'll do it. And no, he says, you don't know, but always be ready. And even yeah. when you don't think I'm coming, do be
2: ready. Right. Well, and, and that's what, what was the contrast between the servants, right? They, what, what were they tasked with doing? They were tasked with, um, being, uh, overseeing their household to give them food at their proper time. Um, and so we see in the point that you made earlier that we're, 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 see we see the need to be fruity, uh, which we see in connection with that Greek word poieo. and we see Maybe we it need here. a better fruit
1: word than fruity but <laughs> fruity. but <laughs> fruit bearers, there we go fruity. I get what you're saying but we
2: need to be fruity yeah the good the, the blessed is the servant that was what he was fruity yeah. he was, doing, he was he do. doing it's that Greek word poieo that we right. see in conjunction with with doing fruit producing fruit he was actively doing what the master asked him to do. And he didn't care about when the master was going to come yeah, back. No he no was way just we can doing do it.
0: Is don't get lazy. Yeah. yeah.
1: You know,
2: well, don't that, be lazy. Yeah, and that's what the second guy did. Mm-hmm. He got so lazy and that he, and instead of preparing food for others, he, he ate it. He drank right. it. And then he took a, a position of servitude and turned it into a position of abuse.
1: Well, I, I remember a conversation and I had to be either in junior high, I think maybe it was freshman year in high school. And I want to mention this because if you're tuning in, because I know you're my Facebook friend. My One of my band teachers, Mrs. Myers, called me into the office. She said, look, every time I leave the room, you get out of control, do stuff you're not supposed to do. I want to know that when I'm not here, you're going to behave yourself so that I can trust when I leave. And a couple of my teachers are my Facebook friends, and they all had that same conversation with me. <laughs> so if you're listening to this and tuning in, I've tried to learn from that. And Jesus made the same point. Be good even when I'm not around because one day I might come back, and then you get detention. Right. But what the detention doing? here he's talking about is pretty
2: bad, right? Yeah. 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 The reward is pretty cool, too. The reward is um, and, and that's what he'll be set over all possessions, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll digress. But no, it is an amazing
1: reward. But let's look at this last verse, and then we'll conclude today. Verse 51, the punishment, though, notice, he'll cut him into pieces, which is kind of just generic punishment, but place him with the hypocrites.
2: He's talked a lot about hypocrites in the book of Matthew, hasn't he? And, and what did he say in, ch- in chapter 23? Woe to you hypocrites. Scribes, Pharisees, and who else? Hypocrites. Yeah.
1: So those,
0: where they're going. <laughs> those
1: guys, he tells them they're going to hell. Right. He does right here. Yeah. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we need to make sure we aren't a hypocrite too. And the true hypocrite is one that's not prepared for when Jesus comes again.
0: You're not. And I think we could describe hypocrite too. Because we talked about this when we talked about the Sermon on the Mount. This idea of, of somebody who's acting out something rather than that actually being the true authentic yeah. Being that you are, and I think we can get at that too when we're talking about this this last section. That if it's not who you are, if it's not your identity, then you're not going to be prepared for it because you never committed to yourself committed to yourself to begin with. You only play
1: the part yes, when you think Jesus only is watching, the,
0: only, yeah. what, or when you think other Christians are watching, yeah. or other Jews are watching. Well, I, I'm going to be this righteous way because I think one of my fellow brothers or sisters are watching. But when when the curtain's closed, yeah, I'm going go back totally to be something totally different. You know, we can't be that way.
1: Very true. No, I agree. Well, let's wrap this up then. And if I were to take and kind of bring this all home, and you guys can agree or disagree with me on it, but um, I think we're all on the same page, that when we look at this entire section, it's be prepared because judgment's going to come. First, there's going to be judgment upon Jerusalem, and he's giving them warning and telling them to be prepared for that. But he also tells them, be prepared because one day there's going to be even a bigger judgment that comes. And this one you won't be able to have any signs for. And it's going to be final. And it's going to have end with weeping and gnashing of teeth for those that are not found prepared. And this whole section here, Matthew 24 and even 23 and into 25 with the parables, is all about judgment. Will Jesus find us ready and prepared for judgment day? Or will he find us distracted and hypocritical? Or will he find us bearing fruit? Be fruity. Be fruity. Be fruity. Well, I think on that thought, we'll stop. Thanks for tuning in tonight. We can pick up with some parables that illustrate preparation in the next uh, our next broadcast. Please log into the Zoom class, share the links with others, and keep studying your Bible. Have a good evening.
0: Thanks again for listening to West Visalia Audio. We hope these messages have helped you grow and inspired you to take action. Be sure to check in each week, more on-the-go content, or visit our YouTube channel to watch the live video. Thanks for participating, and God bless.